Hello and welcome to Talking Talkies. We are your hosts, Benny. And Mino. And thank you for joining us. Before we get into this episode, please be sure to click the follow button so that you can get an update when a new episode drops. Uh, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so that the podcast can get some more visibility. And if this is your first time listening to our show, uh, it's a very simple premise. We revisit classic movies or popular movies from around the globe that at least one of the hosts has enjoyed and we try to break down what worked, what didn't, and how does it still hold up today. So, a word of caution, there will be spoilers ahead, so we highly recommend you first watch the movie and then listen to the episode. And the movie that we are going to be talking about today is one of acclaimed director Quentin Tarantino's best works, but at the same time, uh, divided Critics, which we'll get into, uh, but it is the 2009 uh, revisionist film, Inglorious Bastards. My name is Lieutenant Aldo Ray, and I need me eight soldiers. We're going to be dropped into France dressed as civilians. We're going to be doing one thing, one thing only. Killing Nazis. Yes, sir! Members of the National Socialist Party conquered Europe through murder, torture, intimidation, and terror. And that's exactly what we're gonna do to them. We will be cruel to the German. And through our cruelty, they will know who we are. They will find the evidence of our cruelty. In the disemboweled, dismembered, and disfigured bodies their brothers we leave behind us. And the German will not be able to help themselves from imagining the cruelty their brothers endured at our hands our boot heels and the edge of our knives. Inglorious Bastards stars Brad Pitt, Christoph Waltz, Michael Fassbender, Eli Roth, Diane Kruger, Daniel Brühl, Till Schweiger and Melanie Laura. This movie crossed over $321.5 million in theatres worldwide and it was Tarantino's highest grossing film until the release of Django Unchained in 2012, and then Once Upon a Time in Bollywood in 2000, uh, Hollywood, sorry, in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to the listeners, <laughs> we've been doing too many Bollywood films. <laughs> <laughs> Though I would love to see what Tarantino's take would be on Once Upon a Time in Bollywood. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. okay, coming back, the the. The film received mostly positive reviews with Walt's performance being critically uh, acclaimed uh, and very popular and singled out for praise, actually. But some criticized the historical liberties taken in the film. The movie won multiple awards and nominations, and among them were eight Academy Award nominations. Now, Christopher Walt's portrayal of the Nazi Hans Lander, who's known as the Jew Hunter in the movie, remains one of the most iconic performances in movie history. This was proved given that he swept all the Popular and Critics Award that year. He won the Best Actor Award at the Cannes Film Festival. He won the Best Supporting Actor at BAFTA, Screen Actors Guild, Critics' Choice, Golden Globe and Academy Awards. It was basically a clean sweep. So quickly... Before we dive in, uh, 
the synopsis of the movie, and this is partly from IMDb. In Nazi-occupied France during World War II, a plan to assassinate Nazi leaders by a group of Jewish U.S. soldiers known as the Inglorious Bastards, led by Lieutenant Aldo Rehn, which is played by Brad Pitt, coincides with a theater owner, Shoshana Dreyfus, her vengeful plans for the same, that is to assassinate these leaders. Melanie Laura plays Shoshana, who had witnessed the slaughter of her family by Colonel Hans Landa, played by Christoph Waltz. As the relentless executioners advance and the conspiring young girl's plans are set in motion, their paths will cross for a fateful evening that will shake the very annals of history. Benny, it's very obvious by now, I think, to the listeners that this is a movie we both love. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to start with you. No, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> what what worked for you in the movie? Before we go into the scenes and the quotes and the questions yeah. and theories, what is the high level? Why, why do you love this movie? I mean, there were, there were so many things, honestly, but uh, the most obvious one being the catharsis you feel um, at the end of the movie, right? Because needless to say, the actual events um, of World War II or the towards the end of World War II, yes, the Allies won, but with a great cost, you know, millions of people losing their lives and yeah. being displaced from their homes and... Uh, the architect or the cause of all that suffering, the main cause of all that suffering, uh, German dictator Adolf Hitler. Uh, I mean, he commits suicide and, you know, that's his exit. But Quentin Tarantino, you know, he, he's so good at this, right? The revisionist history, like, um, you know, something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is another example where he takes a true story or a true event yeah. and creates an essentially an alternate ending which is more uh acceptable to us you know we can yes. we can stomach that because the the reality is a lot sadder and you know harder to fathom so the very fact that he is uh taking um one of the most important events in world history and giving it his touch and the ending which is the kind of ending that in a you know you watch it in a film theater in a movie theater and everyone is cheering, you know, clapping and you know just like celebrating. There is a sense of catharsis because you know it's not that's not what happened in reality, but yeah, sure, you know, you wish this the movies events were <laughs> the actual ones. So, just charting off with that, I think that worked for me because, I mean, honestly. When I watch a movie, I enjoy movies that just kind of make me forget about the real world. Yeah. Now, when I rewatched this movie, it was funny how as the movie progressed, I was thinking this is still so relevant. Even in, you know, like what is this 14 years later and we are still, you know, we still have people who subscribe to the the ideology of Hitler. Yeah. You know, we still have neo-Nazis around. We still have fascists around. Yeah. There's increased hate, you know, in 
not just in one or two countries, but around the world. It's around the, in world. Different, it's around the world. In different shades. And so when you watch the movie, you can completely dissociate from what's happening in the world, but it gives a more palatable kind of conclusion, you know, where quote unquote, the good guys, and we can get, yeah. you know, we'll discuss about that <laughs> aspect of it, where the quote unquote, good guys win, so to speak. So for me, that was like the biggest thing that worked. I know there's been a lot of criticism about, you know, historical liberties that were taken and there's some justification for that. But for me personally, I went, you know, when I watched the movie and I rewatched it, I was like, I like this ending. I like the way this is portrayed. I, I like the way this has been dramatically portrayed with the, you know, so much tension yeah. that, you know, the, the stakes are so high. And yeah, for me, it was solid. I, I just appreciated the approach that Tarantino took because not a lot of directors would do that. Or if they did, it probably would be a lot more serious, a lot more dark. But he still had that light approach to very serious events, which doesn't work for everyone. But for me, it worked. Yeah. Uh, so I think I echo everything that you said, Betty. Like, really, <laughs> I have nothing different to add. But so two things worked for me. Is One, I'm a big, big war movie buff. Uh, Platoon yeah. is one of my all-time favorite films. I have rewatched it a lot of times. I think it's a very well-done war film. Uh, then I've seen, there's 1917. Then there is uh, On World War II, also a lot of, of movies. And I could go on and on. But uh, what happens at the end of these World War, because they are actually trying, you know, take Dunkirk or you take, um, I saw a German movie, which was recent, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. It is sticks to reality, to the true events. And then it makes you reflect on humanity. It makes you reflect on human actions. It, it causes you to self-reflect a lot in terms of what did mankind achieve by going to war. Tarantino doesn't do anything of this in the sense that it's an out-and-out revenge drama. And because there is so much history and so much grief attached to World War II events in terms of the atrocities that the Nazis committed... That, to bring that revenge angle in, in a very satisfying way, is what worked for me. Okay, we can go back okay. and I, I've raised questions around, obviously, how does that reflect us as humans and what, depending on whose side you are, why does this revenge work and why should we be killing people? That's a different topic altogether. But I think Tarantino in this movie blends, creates an alternate version. It's fast paced. The villain is one of the most chilling villains in the history of cinema. And that is all credit to Christopher Waltz's outstanding performance. And it's a woman, woman at the center of the revenge plot. The title is Inglorious Bastards, but it is as much as Shoshana's story, as much as the bastards going on a hunt, killing the Nazis. And I think yeah. Tarantino achieved that balance really well uh, in this because... I don't know about his, I've not watched all of his movies, but the two movies which are my favorite is Kill Bill and this one. And both had very strong women characters, uh, which I absolutely loved. So that's one of the things that really worked for me. Yeah. And, and the thing about, you know, the the actual plot line itself, right? You have, so the, you have these two, um, essentially two parallel plots that kind of yeah. converge towards the end of the film. Now, most directors, 
would have taken one part of that and made an entire movie on it, right? And I think this is where Tarantino excels and is probably one of those unique directors where he can essentially direct, a, a, let's say, a collection of short stories and make it, you know, coalesce it into this one singular film. Yeah. You know, there were times that the movie um, where he would just let scenes go on and on and on, right? Um, and they, when you take a look, you know, when you take a step back and you look at it, they all feel like isolated in, in a way. Mm. Mm. They don't necessarily seem to have like a strong connection to the rest of the story. But then he'll always add like one thread that will link it to, the... to something else. Yeah. Um, like the opening scene. And oh. we have to talk about that opening scene, which, you, you, you know, it's one of the best opening scenes in movie history. And... Without a doubt. You know, I actually thought, yeah. Benny, when you think about opening scenes, you think like Saving Private Ryan, you think Dark yeah. Knight. Okay, that's the first things that come to your mind. And then I was like, oh my God, Inglorious Bastards has the one of the best opening scenes. It just sets the tone for the movie and it tells you how chilling the Nazis were at that point. Like, it's brilliant. Yeah. So. Yeah. And he, and he says the tone right from the beginning, yeah. right? Yeah. Because... That opening scene takes a really long time and it's really two characters having a yes. conversation for most of it. Yes. And it's so good because it starts off with this almost bureaucratic kind of like check-in uh, where Landa is checking in with uh, the French farmer. And it's very civil, it's very polite. And then it's like a switch is turned on and you can see this almost genial, good-humored Nazi guy is like his expressions just changes like, like a switch is flipped yeah. and his voice gets deep. His yeah. eyes bore into this French guy. <laughs> and that whole transition part was so nice and very effective because for almost 10 minutes, you know, it seems like he's very nice and polite and whatever and then yeah. his menace which just in an instant and almost psychologically intimidating this farmer guy to yeah. you know break down and essentially confess yes that he's hiding yeah. jews under uh you know the floor and so for me that was like a great example where in the beginning you're like where is this scene going if you're watching it for the first time you're like where yeah. is this going and in that one scene, it's conveyed like the menace of Land, uh, Landa and how he's really the big baddie, not Hitler yeah, in this not film. Hitler. Yeah. Um, and somehow uh, out of all of that, uh, Tarantino manages to establish the link when Shoshana manages to escape. Escape, yeah. Um, and that's really like the one thread that links yes. that particular scene to the, to the rest and, and so on and so on. Because, you know, how he divides the movie into chapters, which Tarantino yes. loves to do in most of yeah. his movies. Um, there's always like one thread, which will link it to the next. And then yeah. one thread in the following uh, scene that links to the next. So he, he really has a very unique vision when it comes to storytelling, which I don't think is appreciated enough because Tarantino as a person and personality is just, uh, he's odd <laughs> a lot of the times. Very odd. And so, 
that can take away the attention from his filmmaking choices, which is very, very unique. And it's not generic. You can never, you you can never watch a Tarantino film and think, yeah, some other director could have done this better or something because there's literally no other director like Tarantino. Who can do it. And I think I, I stay away from violent films as much as I can. So I watched it a lot when I was like teenager and my, um, in, in right just 18 turned 18 19 so you had the freedom to freedom of choice right to watch what yeah. movies you wanted uh in my early 20s and stuff but over a period i'm like i turn away from violence i cannot take too much of violence but somehow uh and tarantino's violence is pretty gruesome okay like kill bill is really violent a lot of blood and gore but i don't know he just brings and i don't know if this is a right thing for me to say okay buddy um he just brings some kind of artistic touch to that violence. I don't know how he does it. But even in Inglorious Bastards, like some of the killings are very brutal. But you're like, you can appreciate that only Tarantino can pull it off and make an audience sit through it. That That's what I feel. And I'm so, like, oh, why? I'm not a big violent, yeah. like I don't like violent films, but I enjoy Tarantino's films. It's just, so let's. Uh... I can't rationalize it. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, well, let's take a few minutes to talk about the violence uh, in Tarantino's no, but before films, that, including... But, but, before that, yeah. but before that, in the opening scene, okay, and I, I wanted to bring this reference because it's important for me when we discuss the next scene when Shoshana and uh, Hans Landa meet. Uh, so he's a, mm-hmm. dairy, he's a dairy farmer, right? Uh, and so is the Dreyfus yeah. family. That is Shoshana's family. He's also dairy farmers uh, in that area. And um, he offers him, would you like a drink? Would you like, you know... Uh, I think wine or whatever and he says no I will just take a glass of milk and it has two glasses of milk and I didn't realize he starts talking to him in French and then he flips to English and I didn't realize in my first rewatch why then after the shooting happens but when the scene is on I didn't realize what does that why does he flip to English and that's because the family doesn't understand English the Jewish family they don't know so they don't understand what they're talking. They don't know that the farmer has given them away. Otherwise, there would have been some noise. Otherwise, he, And he says that they don't understand English, do they? And the farmer says, yeah, they don't. And I think that was the flip, uh, which I was like, oh, my God, he's such a, he's so sharp. Uh, his character is so sharp. You realize at that point. And that stays consistent in his meetings with when he meets the spies when he meets the other soldiers you realize how consistently sharp he is and how he can sniff if there's an enemy uh nearby so i thought that was a very effectively done the way landa uh false pulls it off uh was one of the most impressive twists for me uh in the opening scene yeah and and he says okay bye now you can call your daughters in and then the soldiers come and then it's like then bullets firing all yeah. over yeah, the opening scene, uh, we could probably do like an entire episode on it. For yeah, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> you can write that. Like the writing, the acting, yeah. the choices that Tarantino makes in terms of unveiling it, right? Because yeah. he, it, it's this very drawn out. And I don't think a lot of directors have patience for scenes like that where yeah. they feel like the uh, audience will get bored or they'll get restless so they need to like get to the resolution or keep it moving but Tarantino just loves to just draw it out and that's so effective because you slowly the tension builds and builds and builds because 
at one point it looks like Landa is like done. He's like, yeah, it's all done. And uh, he, it look, he's, he, and it looks like the scene is about to end and he's going to leave. But if you, if you notice, that's when the dairy farmers starts relaxing. He's like, okay, yes. I've done good. He's going to leave. And so yeah. he's, his full defense is down. The body language. And then changes. Landa gets into, <laughs> you know, his element. Yeah. And that's when you know, okay, this guy's no, or, there is no ordinary Nazi, but he seems <laughs> no. to be one level above in terms of his psychotic uh, behavior. So there was yeah, one that, line, okay, uh, in in yeah. this scene, which kind of it is so funny. Uh, it and this is because I'm watching after like five years or six years, and um, which I found relevance to the corporate restructurings that happen he says so he says you know nine months ago they had come and checked and my i was clear uh, my house was clear they didn't find anybody and i don't know where they are these missing people and then um, hans landa makes a comment well you know now the management has changed the top bosses have changed so you know we have to redo it which is what happens in the yeah. corporate world also the senior management changes and again everybody's all the positions are toppled and the structures are toppled and then after three years again somebody new comes in and again you're going through the whole cycle i just yeah i just laughed actually at that line because of course i'm sure tarantino didn't mean that but for me it was like oh my god this is so relatable to real life corporate life that's to no, what I, he's saying no that's what makes it even more chilling because we're talking about war crimes here, yeah, right? And Tarantino and the, the character played by Christopher Walt, um, they make it seem very normal in that context. It's yeah. just another thing. Yeah. And it's just a bureaucratic thing. Never mind that they're essentially killing off Jewish families you yeah. know, all, all across Europe. And it's just dismissed or the way, you know, Lando's talking about it. It's like some routine bureaucratic routine stuff task yeah. that he's been yeah. given. And that's what makes it even more, you know, it's just chilling to hear him talk so dismissively. And so in such a cavalier kind of yeah. attitude. So yeah, yeah, yeah that was definitely it. it was one of the best scenes. Um, yeah. You were talking about the violence of Tarantino films. So, you know, after I rewatched it a uh, couple of days ago, I was I went online to see what kind of reception this movie got when it received, and I was actually surprised by how divisive it was. Really, um, it, it was very popular among you know regular viewers and people theater goer theater goers, but critics it was mixed among critics. Um, and the reason, the ma the major reason seemed to be that Tarantino had apparently committed this crime of taking such an important, serious and tragic event and in their mind, making it light of it. And since he was essentially, since we're talking about revisionist history, uh, the way he depicts, you know, the Jews or the inglorious bastards taking revenge on the Nazis, including Shoshana, her version yeah. of revenge too. Um, you know, there were these criticisms that, well, what's the difference between Jews and Nazis? And because they're also being very brutal yeah. in their response, in their revenge. Um, so some of the critics even went to even more absurd lengths. There was this one critic who said watching the film was like uh, sitting in a darkened, 
room, you know, that being the theater, and having a bucket of warm piss poured over you slowly. What? I was like, all right, <laughs> drama queen. Okay, that's much. <laughs> that's drama queen. That was extreme. That's uh, there was some other critics that said it was boring, and I'm like, I don't know if there's a. There seems to be some element of almost personal. Some critics seem to have taken it personally for whatever yes. reason. Yes. And what I read about that was, you know, since Tarantino references at least twice in the movie to the move, this movie being his finest work or his yeah. it being his masterpiece. Um, there is a theory that some critics took it personally. Like, you can't say that this is your masterpiece. We are the ones who have to say it. So I don't know. So I was Hi. really surprised by it. But uh, I don't know. I, when I watched it for the first time, I enjoyed it. And when I rewatch it, I still enjoyed it. Um, but I think one of the common criticisms about this film and about Tarantino's films in general, you know, is the violence. And yes, we can talk about that because I think it's an important conversation to have, especially in light of events around the world. Yeah, I mean, you kind of brought it up earlier. We were talking; you were talking about how there's so much violence in this film, right? And Interestingly, we don't really see the Nazis in this film committing a lot of violence. Exactly. It's just the it's first really, scene. Yeah. It's just the first Yeah, scene. but even then, we don't see the physical nope. uh, effects of it, right? We see them shooting. Nope. Yeah. We don't see the dead bodies, right? We see Shoshana running away bloody, but we don't see yeah. any actual violence. No. And in the rest of the movie, too, we see captured German soldiers. Yes. Uh, the only other violence really we see is depicted in a movie within the movie. Uh, you know, is it really a propaganda film? So yes, this movie is really violence against the Nazis. The Nazis, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. which which should tell, which should reveal a lot about our psyche when we're able to enjoy that and not feel guilty about it. That's right? that's what I thought on the on this rewatch. I was like. Why are we enjoying this? Because we know they were the villains and whatever they did was awful. And, you know, everybody's still, it, it's still fresh in people's mind uh, because obviously generations have lived through it. But at the end of it, uh, what Tarantino's doing in the movie is that violent is inherent to any person. Anybody can become yeah. violent. It just matters which side you're on. Where you accept the violence, well, or you there was, go against it. There's also this question po uh, posted a couple of years ago when all these those in the U.S. There's this rise of neo-Nazism and yeah. people being very extreme and being very open about their extreme views, um, because there are like public demonstrations and you know people just not worried people not being worried anymore about what others yeah. would think about their beliefs and so there was this question that was going around on social media asking essentially is it okay or justified to punch a nazi and <laughs> on the surface of it it seems like a very simple question right yeah and the answer mostly would be yes because our mind is wired our, our brains are wired to know or accept that Nazis are terrible people because look at history, look at what happened yes. when in, the Nazis went unchecked, when they had too yeah. much power, look at the way they not only treated people, but killed people. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, if people like that 
come up again, it's totally okay to punch them. And then you have the other school of thought is like, we can't descend to their level because if we retaliate, if we display violence, that doesn't, you know. Then there's no difference. There's no difference. There's no difference. And this movie is like a great example of it, even though this was years before the rise of all these extremism. Um, It was essentially asking us to take a look at the uh, at violence depicted on screen against primarily against the Nazis and make us ask ourselves like why am I cheering why am I why am I exactly why am I rejoicing uh, in people dying Um, yeah and why why am I rejoicing when people are dying and I think that's where the line is because Tarantino doesn't flinch to depict violence right yeah one of the things that didn't work for me was the scalping um, yeah it was, was a bit it was, it was very Just graphic gross. Very and graphic. that's where um I I, I, it was hard to kind of stomach that i know yeah. that's it was very common especially in times of war back then but it was yeah. still hard to watch and then i we I had to uh, watch the um you know when they introduced the bear jew Eli Roth's character. I was coming to that, you know. My um, God. It made me very uncomfortable, <laughs> Benny. That whole scene was like, um, I can't digest this. It didn't hit me as much when I watched it so many years ago. But this yeah. time it did hit. Yeah. So him beating up, beating to death, you know, yeah. the, the Nazis. Like, that was played for laughs. That was played for entertainment. But I don't really know if Tarantino was endorsing it so much as he was asking us like what do you think like you know watching this scene are you entertained like does that make yeah. you feel good does does that make yeah. you happy that the nazis are getting something even though this is a movie yeah. you know they're getting some sort of retribution are you happy about that and so it's really it's about us the viewers yes. and not really about the characters and that's where yeah. Tarantino is such a master at this yeah. because i you know i've in the last few years i've had to kind of uh, examine that myself because violence, like why do we root for violence uh, in movies primarily, right? Because yeah. we kind of talked about this on a previous episode where there's a rise uh, in popularity of violent movies, right? Especially yeah. in India right now, uh, the most uh, awaited films are primarily violent films. Violent films, And yeah. all, you know, movies on like I don't know, family films or romantic comedies, whatever, they're not as big anymore or popular anymore because everybody wants to watch action films and especially like violent action films. And I was like trying to think like why, and and it's the same for me. I'll admit, I actually... (laughs) I enjoy enjoy crime dramas, mafia monster movies, suspense, killing, serial killing. Oh my God. Honestly, whenever I'm faced with a choice between like something light, something funny, yeah. and then on the other hand, there's one, I'm like, I always go with the for darker the violent film. And I feel like that's been a change for me over the last few years. And I think that goes back to people just enjoying something that you wouldn't endorse in real life. Yeah. Um, it's, it's this substitute for what we would like to do or feel in real life. <laughs> But we as civilized beings, we're like, no, that's not right. Cannot do this. But if they show it in a movie, I can get behind it. 
like yeah. if I in real life, if I if I saw someone violently beating someone up, I would be like, I'm not, I'm not here, I'm out of here, you know. But in a movie, I'd like, yeah, yeah, that's that's good, that's a good fight, like that's good, you know, car chase and stuff like that. Um, and I think that's where uh, Quentin Tarantino films in general they are they succeed because he he's so unflinching in his depiction of violence, but yeah. he doesn't make it dark or serious. No. Even in a film like this, we're talking about the horrors of World War II and the evil of uh, Nazism, and he still makes it entertaining. It still makes it funny in parts. So I think violence in films, that's like a huge debate, a huge conversation that will continue to be. My personal opinion is if it stays in the movie and it's, it doesn't glorify it, but seeks to entertain us. Like I can, I can live with that. I can live with Tarantino's vision of depicting violence in movies, even taking historical events into his film uh, and basing a based off historical events. And he's making a movie that depicts a lot of violence. Like I can accept that if it's entertaining and it doesn't glorify violence. Yeah. It uh, and I think that's it. where he kind of treads the line because sometimes, yes, it does look like, He's very yeah, he's close glorifying it. to glorifying it. And that's a very thin line. Um, but overall, I'm not one of those people who will be like, no, we don't need movies like this. I mean, there are movies um, for every type of people. Exactly. And exactly. if you don't appreciate that, you don't have don't to watch, watch it. it. Exactly. So, so like I said, over the last, I think in the pandemic, especially my viewing habits changed and I used to enjoy a lot of action and violence and like you know all these mobster mafia movies and things like that Um, but over the last three four years it's really gone down and i've shifted to softer themes softer movies movies that make me happy leave me in a good state of mind um not too dark and depressed so i think we should not say that these movies should not be made you have the control over yourself to not watch it i don't enjoy it i will not watch it it's as simple as that right but you can't stop people from being creative and if they're good at something and they want to do it, let them do it. You just, like I said, unless it's, unless it's criminal, Benny, it's like a criminal activity or it's going to damage and harm people. Really. It's okay. I mean, it's, it's ultimately on the screen. It's not hitting me personally. With regards to this movie, what, what is your take on, the criticism that, well, you're making the Jews, you know, a version of Nazis themselves, the way the retribution is handed by, you know, the the bastards and even Shoshana, you know, murdering people in like a locked theater, essentially burning them to death. And like, what is your view on that? Like the way that was depicted? Honestly, like I said, I think it's a good revenge drama, uh, an eye yeah. for an eye. And it's just the brutality of what Nazis had committed. They were given a dose of their own medicine. So I am not so critical of Tarantino's depiction that uh, the oppressed has to take the higher ground. Uh, sometimes you're not left with any option and to deal with it in the same manner or in the language that only they'll understand. And I think that's what they did. So yeah i don't know why there is a whole moral debate around this plot it is a revenge drama at the end of it and 
what was she going to do with the likes of Hitler and Goebbels, sit down with them and explain to them the plight of Jews and <laughs> ask them to be compassionate? I think they were beyond that, right? So there was no other choice. I think they were left with no other choice but to fire. Expecting so. the well, the first crime that people, so people who criticized the, the film for that reason or people who were disappointed by this film. First of all, expecting Tarantino to have like a nuanced take on any of this of course not. it's not gonna happen first of all like, that was punch. a mistake yeah 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 Tarantino doesn't do that. do that yeah, yeah that that kind of criticism maybe you could lob against any other director but not against Tarantino because with Tarantino you know what you get which exactly. is violence to not just violence for the sake of violence violence in very dramatic and graphic ways yeah. But that almost points a mirror at us as a viewer and asking us how much of this are you fine with? Did you like it? How much of it is entertaining? And if, you enter, if you're entertained and you like it, keep watching. If not, this is not for you. And yeah. I think Tarantino has always been very unapologetic about his films. And there's a reason why people still, you know, his movies do so well. Most of his films yeah. do so well. And so, yeah. And as far as this whole thing about um you know shoshana and the glorious bastards the way they take their revenge i mean this was a film where you want the bad guys to suffer right of course there is a reason why indian films which feature these quote-unquote mass heroes why they do so well because what is a typical template there's this one guy who who saves children, who helps old people cross the road, who saves like the leading heroine from like the bad guys. He and saves the village. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, He's like this archetypal, noble, best yeah. person in town kind of. And that is really a figment of the imagination because there are not a lot of people who exist, exist like that. In fact, I would go as far to say there's nobody who exists like that. But people enjoy those kind of films because yeah. there's, you know, you don't, if you don't, ex if that doesn't exist in real life, at least I get to watch that in the movies. It's really that same logic here because you would, you know, if you had an opportunity to go back in time and you had the power to fight back against the Nazis more effectively, like, 10 out of 10, you would take Everyone it. Everyone would There's do it. no question. Everybody would do this, yeah. And in the context of this film, it's already been established how brutal the Nazis are, how brutal Landa is. You yeah. Know, he didn't even, like, care when he killed his family. To to him, they were, quote-unquote, rats. They yeah. needed to be eradicated. That's who oh you're fighting God. against, and you expect the other side. Did you want them to just be normal? And Because that's what... In, in reality, that's what the Allies did for a long time. Yeah. They were like, we need to talk with the German government. We need yes. to negotiate. We need to do this. But in this film, it was like, throw all of that out the window. Fight fire with fire. If the Nazis are going to be this way, let's give them a dose of their own medicine. Exactly. And that's why this movie was so popular. And I think for that very reason, the violence depicted in this film was justified as much as it was hard in some of the scenes to watch. And yeah. Some of which I didn't enjoy, but in, I could understand that rational end. I was like, this is the way to show it. And also, Benny, I also believe that some crimes, 
some people cannot have a redemption arc there cannot be redemption for certain acts i think nazis qualify for that that you you how are you going to redeem yourselves after the crimes you've committed against humanity so if this was the way tarantino was going to depict revenge fine that's his way of showing it like i said you may not like it you don't watch the film and that's fine but you can't judge yeah. people who liked and enjoyed the film uh, yeah. it's a well made film it's an excellent cast it's got excellent dialogues it's got brilliant plot twists what's not to like about the film so yeah and, and having said that let's talk about quentin quentin tarantino himself yeah. um have, having said all that i've said this is still not my f- top favorite Quentin Tarantino film. Um I actually enjoyed Django Unchained uh better and I would say it's my number one favorite because again it 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 has Christopher Waltz in it, Jamie Foxx and of course my all-time favorite Leo DiCaprio. Um, I have to see it. You know I haven't seen it. <laughs> you haven't seen it? I, you I had because I thought it was quite violent so I it just is. never went back to it. <laughs> it is I just didn't go. And I think it's a Western, um, it's Western cowboy yes. kind of. Yeah. So it I'm not a Western a big... slavery themed, like how in this is yeah. depicting Nazism and, yeah. you know, the violence yeah. against Jews. He, yeah. Now he, he turns his, Quentin Turner turns his attention to slavery and the violence yes. against slaves. So it's hard to watch as well but equally satisfying like how it is in Correct. this film but i will i think i'll watch it one because now i'm in a better phase of mind also so i think i can watch it <laughs> but uh, so i was at the dinner right with my friends and we were talking so i was telling them hey we're going to record this uh, broadcast and i was watching this movie and we all uh, both of us also loved the uh, this movie and she was telling me like i said christopher waltz i can't remember any other movies that he was in which which he impressed me so much and she said no meena you have to watch Django Unchained because he was so good in it and she gave me another two more movies of his to watch so yeah i think i'll watch it benny i'm going to be on holiday in a couple of weeks hopefully i'll get time to watch it <laughs> <laughs> now I, i would say christopher waltz was better in in inglorious bastards i think he's exceptional in glorious um, bastards like i love him so much in it he <laughs> was the Phenomenal. breakout star and he really he's like the link between the two plots right plots, like he's exactly. the one I think he's actually the only one who has any well actually there's one other guy we'll, we'll get to him too but yeah um he really kind of takes control of this film you know from an acting perspective uh I love Django Unchained because yes Waltz is good Jamie Foxx is very intense Samuel L Jackson is in a unique like never before seen role which works out for him but the star of it is Leo DiCaprio and he is so effective as this cruel like slave owner and yeah like for, to me that was that that is my favorite Quentin Tarantino film um uh, and i think closely followed by Kill Bill once both volumes and yeah. um Once Upon a Time in America and yeah. so Quentin Tarantino Kill- is just Kill Bill i love so much benny i watched it yeah. twice I watched it twice in the theaters. <laughs> He like that set the tone, right? Like I love so Uma Thurman in it. I love it. I love yeah. it. The Revenge of the Bride is like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. She's so good. She's so good. Tarantino 
um, as we know, did not have like a traditional filmmaker's background. Like, I think he worked in like in a video store. He just oh, loves okay. movies. He's like a nerd when it comes to like films. And he started making like films at a very young age and with his own vision of what he wanted his movies to be like. And that stood out right from the beginning. And I think he won his like first Oscar at the age of 29. And so he was always rated highly right from the beginning of his career. And to maintain that... was Pulp that, Fiction, right? That was Pulp yeah, Fiction. Pulp I think Fiction. he swept, he swept uh, again, all awards for Best Screenplay. I didn't think he won for Best yeah. Director in all, but he Not for Best Director, best no, for his writing. Best Screenplay, I um, Yeah. Yeah. Because it's so unique, right? Like I, I mentioned earlier, he takes... He 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 starts. He films these scenes, which, for the longest time, when you watch a scene, you're like, I don't know where this is going. They're talking about like mundane, like routine things, and then suddenly the scene kicks into, uh, yeah. you know, like full, you know, o- overdrive, and it's like it leaves you breathless. And that's what he does in most of his films. Like Kill Bill is a great example. Where there are so many like random scenes here, like what is going oh on? Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> and so many pauses. Okay, like they're just staring at each other, or just yeah. having like a chill dialogue, and then suddenly they break into this fight, yeah. and there's blood all over, and people are dead, and I'm like, what just happened? Like, why don't you give us some warning that this is going to get that way? Yeah. So uh, and so he he's, he's so good at that, and I think that's why when he burst onto the scene, people were so excited about him. And it, it looks like then he entered this kind of phase where other directors overtook him in terms of popularity and people were more excited about other directors. Um, so when he made this film, it was kind of like a turning point for him because yeah, to that point, he never used like actors or stars who were just yeah. like at the top of their game. And so when he did this too, this was kind of like the transition point because he had Brad Pitt in it and then he worked with Brad Pitt in a couple more films. And so it's just an interesting um, inflection point in his career because since, especially since this film, like Tarantino essentially like leapfrogged into like the top, you know, um, the, the top most like popular directors in the world, like anywhere yeah. in the world where people are into movies, people are into Hollywood movies, you know, you don't even need to see the name of the film. You don't need to say which actors are in the film. You just say it's a Tarantino film. And then people yeah. immediately Bam. click and be like, yeah, I need to watch yeah. that. Like, you know, yeah. there are not yeah, a lot yeah, of directors of like that. There are very few. Of There's course, Spielberg, Scorsese. Um, and I think David Tarantino. Fincher is one of them. Yeah, also that's one. what yeah. a handful of them, right? Who, Very handful, yeah. Just by the name, that's their brand. And so Tarantino is definitely a unique uh, filmmaker in that regard. And honestly, I can't think. I think there are a lot of imitators. There are a lot of people who try to be like him. There have been a lot of people inspired by him mm-hmm. and who try to make films like him. But he's really the OG uh, and he Absolutely. still has such a unique vision and the way he makes it. I mean, his most recent film itself is a great example of that. Like how many people can take uh, like a true fact, like, you know, we're talking about Once Upon a Time in America, like yeah, something, yeah. A, a very sad event it's that very, happened in very, Hollywood. Very, it's, it's horrifying, Revise actually. that. Yeah, yeah. Revise that 
and make it like this crowd favorite, like, you know, especially towards the end of that film. So he he's just unique. And I think the one thing that really shines in all of his movies is his love for films. For movies, yeah. Right? Because there's always like a subplot which is centered around movies or movie making. Like in Correct. this film, it's about Shoshana and her owning the theater once upon a time itself. It's about uh, the It's film all about the movies. It's industry. like a big tribute to the 60s, like what is yeah. it, 80s, 80s or 60s. No, know. it was the retro, 60s. The retro, 60s, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, um, he's just a very unique director and I think that's where uh, people sometimes can forget because he's, as a person, he's just a little weird at times. Yeah. But he's definitely one of those... Uh, he still is one of the very unique filmmakers that rarely disappoints. Exactly. I think people focus on the violence in his films a lot, right? Which doesn't mean not yeah. appeal to the masses. But I just think he, his films are where I can sit through the violence and like not be depressed or upset or whatever. I, his violence, I can I manage. It's graphic, yeah. very graphic, but I can sit through it and I can appreciate what he's doing with the film uh, on screen. Uh, but you know, funnily enough, because Benny, I was surprised uh, when I was reading up. You know, Pulp Fiction is what really put him on the global map, kind of right. Pulp Fiction is like a cult movie, and people rave yeah. about it. Not only it became a popular hit, but Tarantino. There are like four uh, critics awards, which are like very well renowned. Uh, L.A. and some, some, some three more. He was the first uh, director to win. Uh, for a screenplay or for the screenplay he won all these critics awards also like he got nominated and he won which I think is quite impressive right to be popular and be popular with the critics you, you don't always right. achieve that balance and I think he did that with Pulp Fiction so when you were saying that I was very when I was going through the whole um, right reading through the film I didn't realize that he had a bit of a slump and then in Glorious yeah. Pastels again revised his uh, got him back to his peak so that was quite uh, interesting. Well, let's talk about the actors and then we can dive into the best Done. or favorite scenes. Go on. Yes. So uh, We need an we... R for Christopher Waltz, but we won't be able to do that. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we can't, we cannot talk about this film without truly talking about the performances. Because yes. apart from Tarantino, this movie is really driven by acting in it and yes Christoph Waltz is just synonymous with this film even though yeah. there have been a, there are a lot of other powerhouse actors in this film he's really <laughs> the wicked heart and soul of this film <laughs> I I had never watched Christoph Waltz before um, this is my first Same. film <laughs> and I, I'm trying to recollect what it felt like I wish I could recapture that moment when I first watched this film and especially the first scene because at first he seems like a generic Nazi guy but he's nice he's very polite he seems to be doing his like his basic thing and going but then he starts talking about like being known as a Jew hunter hunter yeah and he keeps like he's psychologically beating down this uh, dairy farmer guy who by the way he who also did a an amazing That's job. Terrific. He's a French when actor. Paired up with, right? He's, he's yeah, a French actor. Yeah. yeah. He was excellent. He, he was excellent. Paired up 
with Crystal Waltz, like he he yeah. did he held his own. And then, you know, especially like I mentioned earlier, like the way he or Crystal Waltz like changes his expressions when he's serious. Yeah. And he's he has this menace mixed with this jolly attitude. Yeah. <laughs> which is <laughs> such a great combination. And then th- throughout the movie, and we'll talk about some of the scenes, you know, later yeah. on. But in every scene he's in, he's like the star of that scene, right? Yeah. His smile, his charm, but then he'll switch to menace. Menace, um, absolutely. Also, the way he switches between languages, that's just so, yeah. so good. Oh, good. You know, he, which, was the, which was the ultimate nail in the coffin. I was like, so these guys are pretending to be Italians with terrible accents. They can't even speak Italian or understand Italian. And he says, oh, they don't understand German. They're Italians. And then he just struts up. Yeah. Italian. And I was like, of and course like, he knows Italian. Of course he knows. <laughs> but... Even as an actor, right? Like as a performer, when you have to act like you know these different languages, yeah. you still have to be convincing. Otherwise, because people are very discerning, right? Like as viewers, we're very quick to identify, oh, he's doing a terrible job with that accent or speaking in this language. And you don't get any of that. He just switches from French to English to German to English to Italian. <laughs> and and he still acts his acting is not affected his like emoting is not affected by his dialogue no. delivery and i was no. like where was this guy or like why I hasn't know. he been known <laughs> before this like he was like this breakout star and of course since then he's gone on to play other memorable roles but this is really like his, his finest his work man. uh to date so and he I mean, really conveyed uh absolutely. the evil like perfect. Like I don't think anybody else could have done a better job. You know when I realized like he could really be this. Maybe not. It's sometimes maybe you feel all the Nazis were psychopaths, but uh, you know when he speaks very politely to him, uh, this is the end of my French. Uh, uh, what do you see? Efficiency over uh, the fluency extent over to which, French. Yeah, extent yeah. to which a fluency of my French language. Can I? Do you speak English? Can I speak English? And I was like, oh, okay, you know, like, fine. He probably doesn't know much of French. He's a German after all. And then I realized what was the real intention of switching to English. I was like, oh my God, this guy is evil. Yeah. Like he's pure evil. <laughs> so he was- I thought it was for the benefit of the audience, who, which would have been mostly international or English no. speaking. <laughs> no, uh, but but yes, because- that was like, it actually had relevance to the story. So yeah. My God. I That's why I said like that opening scene tells you every bit of what to expect from Hans Landa's character and what an intelligent guy he is. Like, he is not, he's loyal to the job. He's not loyal to his employers. That's how he is. <laughs> A fatal flaw, <laughs> which we will come to. Uh, other stars in this film, Michael Fassbender was another actor that I had not, never, I had not seen before this film. And we'll we'll talk about him in the outtakes too about you know uh, something else. But he was so good in the short amount of screen time that he had. And I have it in he, my outtake, but I'll talk about it in the outtake. Okay. <laughs> or should yeah. I say it right now? <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe we can. You know why? 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 Why should we conform to our rules? Tarantino does it. So, in that spirit, <laughs> we can break our own rules. Um, so for the women 
you cannot have Michael Fassbender for just two scenes and then kill him. <laughs> what brutality and cruelty was Tarantino trying to inflict? At least, <laughs> he at didn't, least he, he didn't consider down, the women audience. <laughs> at least you went down fighting in a very heroic and noble manner. He had some Absolutely. great dialogues uh, before he's, he, he dies. So, yeah. So the other outtake that we were going to talk about was how Michael Fassbender desperately wanted to play the role of Landa, Colonel Landa. Yes, yes, yes. Um, apparently auditioned for it like five times. And he was very disappointed to not get the role. But Tarantino was eventually like, well, we can get you this instead. We can give you this role instead. And but do you know that what actually Tarantino said to him? I found this in trivia. I, I don't know if it is true, but hang on. I'm going to tell you what he actually said to him. Uh, wait. So when he cut off the gaps, okay? Because uh, <laughs> I'm trying yeah, to yeah. Find, <laughs> find in the document. I think it was okay. towards the end. Yeah. So Tarantino actually said to him, Look, man, any guy that gets cast as Heathcliff is not F German enough to play my Landa, all right? And that seals it for you because he was in Wuthering Heights. <laughs> well, Heathcliff is the hero of Wuthering Heights. And I was like, <laughs> so bad. But like, I Torrey genuinely... is so evil. <laughs> but I honestly, you know, I think Fastbender would have been pretty decent. He, I don't think he would have been as good as Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Yeah, but but he would have been menacing. subsequent. He would have been menacing, and subsequent roles, you know, in other films has shown that Fassbender could have done a very capable job. Like it would have been a different yeah. kind different of Landa. Line. Yeah, um, he would have probably been more of um, what's that German soldier? Hellstrom. Uh, Daniel Hellstrom, the SS guy who discovers him. The SS guy in the tavern, right? Like, yeah, he would yeah. have probably Hellstrom. been a version of that. Uh, yes. which also charming, also menacing. And I think um, he would have done a decent job. But no, I I, I don't think uh, you can be Crystal Waltz because no, Waltz had no, that no. perfect mix of one moment. He's so charming and friendly. And then, then he turns on a dime. So yeah. I think the role that Fassbender eventually played was perfect. Yes. Uh, as short as it was, uh, he was so, so impactful. And when you know, as a viewer too, you know, like when he does that mistake, and I think we'll probably end up talking about that too. Uh, you know, his time is up. He's yeah. he's going to die. And then the way he essentially like accepts it and decides, okay, if this is how I'm going to go, here's what's going to happen. So he he was really good and I really enjoyed his uh, performance. And I'm trying to think because I just can't remember. I definitely didn't watch Inglorious Bastards in the theater. I watched it later okay. uh, on television. And that's why I had seen Michael Fassbender. And I think I watched it at the same time when X-Men first class and he played Magneto. Mm. So yeah. I was a... I was blown away by Fassbender at that time. I'm like, whoa, X-Men First Class was like one of my, is one of my favorite films. <laughs> and then to see him, that's what I'm saying. That was why I was like, yeah. how can you have him and just get him killed in like two scenes? Like it's so unfair to the women audience. Uh, so Tarantino is not forgiven for this from my side. <laughs> he should be longer on well, my screen. <laughs> 
And the third actor that I've not seen before till this point was Diane Kruger. Yeah, uh, I've seen her, yeah. One Hammer's Mark. And she was good. I mean, it was not like yeah. knock it out of the park kind of like because her story was her character wasn't written to be very dramatic. She was effective. She was yeah. very believable as this German starlet actress. Yeah. Everybody is charmed by. And I think her best performance was actually her final moments yes. in her character because along with her, you feel the fear, the rising panic, and you're like, you know, even her like last questions, like, okay, what happens now? Followed by no. the just absolute jaw-dropping, you know, like scene <laughs> which this genial, mostly genial Landa just jumps yeah, just on her and chokes her death. on her and like my god strangles her so it's she like was she was very good as well and the rest are you know all these cameos and like smaller roles for every other actor i mean shoshana is like a major character in this yeah. um i don't necessarily think her performance was like amazing i think no she was fine um yeah. and again her character was not something memorable right be. yeah I mean, she was a memorable something... character in that she was integral to the story Correct. But, but as, as a performance, actor. it was, it didn't really stick out for me. So, yeah. uh, and lastly, I think we should run it up with Brad Pitt and whatever he was yeah. doing. <laughs> <laughs> What's with his accent, so, Benny? Tell me, you, you are an American. I, Tell me the accent. <laughs> so listen, first of all, overly dramatic. Like, for Wasn't the most it? part, it's, it's very accurate, like Southern accent. But Brad Pitt, you could clearly see Brad Pitt was just having fun. He was fun. just. Exactly. And so when I was watching the movie, I kept getting distracted by that because I was like, is he doing this intentionally or is he just doing a yeah. bad job? Right. <laughs> um, and I was like, there's no way Tarantino would have let this, you know, happen because I'm sure he would have like had a word with Brad Pitt and be like, hey, man, tone it down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because Brad Pitt was just like having fun with the way it was enunciating, even yes. if it, you're playing a Southern character, that just seemed a lot. And it almost seemed like a movie star Showing like, hey, I can do this and I can speak like this. Um, but later, I, I, I get the sense that this was an intentional performance. Hmm. Um, because he's he's probably the equal to Landa from the other yeah. side, right? He's, he's equally like barbaric and he's very aggressive. He's a leader and he's essentially against he's like the exact opposite to Landa from the other side and I felt like Tarantino had to infuse him with something that made him a lot more likable <laughs> than Landa and so it would make it easier for us to yeah. root for him when one on when he's put one on one with Landa and I think so that's why Brad Pitt was being overly, you know, dramatic, dramatic. with all of that. Um, <laughs> so I would, it was not my favorite performance, but I can kind of understand why he acted the way he did <laughs> in this film. And he has some of the best dialogues, which I will, uh, I want to talk of course uh, he does. about later. Of course so he, he was he funny. Does. He he was, he, yeah. he definitely had added like a lightness to some, a topic that is really dark and serious so yeah yeah i didn't like um i didn't like him and old which was the soldier i think yes. both of them in the Played end by BJ Novak. Yep. <laughs> so yeah that was it, it was comic whenever 
Yeah. My most hilarious part was when he tried to spell his. Um, Landa makes him say his name like Golarmi, Golarmi. He just couldn't Golami. get the Italian. Golarmi. Golarmi. Just couldn't uh, get the Italian accent. It's like Brad Pitt. Uh, he makes him say it again. And, like, and Landa's again? like again. I can't hear again. I can't hear. Yeah. Again. And you know he knows, right? Of course he knows. He knows he's not Italian, and he's like again, again. Yeah. And, and Brad Pitt is like, how how much uh, more can I make this Italian sounding? And he tries all these different <laughs> modulations, and he's like, Gorlami, Gorlami, and it's like, <laughs> it was. I'm like, I'm like, Aldo, stop talking. You're just making it yeah. more obvious. And Landa's gonna kill you <laughs> there and then. Yeah. yeah. No, that was, so yeah, that was that was, that was great. Amazing. Like I said, all scenes that involve Christopher Waltz are my favorite. scenes in the movie <laughs> so i want to talk about this scene because i have a question around it benny because there's been lot of debates around this and there's been lot of fan theories okay. around this this is when um so what's happened is obviously a little bit of the movie for the listeners is that we are at a point where <clears throat> shashana is now a movie theater owner the inglorious bastards are on their mission to kill the nazis and they are pretty successful at it and there is this german soldier Frederick Zola uh, who's like killed about 100 odd allies soldiers and is being now revered and there's a movie being made about him so he is meeting gobels and um, he gets shashana uh, invited uh, rather forced to come to that yeah. meeting so shashana doesn't know what to expect uh, and she like why the hell am i here and with all these nazis anyway so she sits down and maintains a calm and then somebody comes from behind and gobel says oh welcome Uh, what is it lepnan landa or colonel landa colonel landa colonel landa yeah and she is like this scene is because i really liked melanie laura in the scene because she's almost getting an anxiety attack right panic attack seeing the murderer of her family there but she can't show it and after that she's about to leave and he says no no i need to talk to her and he tells you all can go but i need to talk to her i need to talk to her about the theater arrangements and then he makes her sit down and then he's like generally again you know how landa is he'll just make you casual conversation he's like why don't you have something i'll get a espresso but for the lady i want milk so he orders milk for her and then he orders strudel and i didn't know the significance of this uh she's about to eat it and he says no wait for the creme and then the whipped cream comes and they it's a focus shot the server serving the whipped cream on the strudel for both and he's like now have it and she has it <clears throat> and i learned later that creme whipped creme is not kosher food so landa was testing her because he's probably got a sniff that she's he doubts that she's a jew so the question was when they meet in the scene the theory is going around is did landa recognize shashana or not Did you think about uh, this? Just remind me <laughs> did uh the tavern scene happen before it, after or after this? It was after. It's after this. It's after this. Okay. So at this point Landa still hasn't investigated and found the heels or anything like that, right? That no, hasn't no. happened yet. Okay. <clears throat> no. No. So when I watched it yeah, immediately the milk reference grabbed that my attention. That is what hit me. Same. because 
I was like, it's an incredible coincidence if he doesn't know anything about Shoshana yet. Yeah. To just ask for milk. Um, so it, it's kind of hard for me. So if this scene had happened, let's say, after... Um, the massacre. After, like, the event incidents at the tavern, right? Um, it It's easier for me to accept, like, he knew or he suspected Shoshana. Yeah. Yeah. But since it happened before, and I think only like a few minutes before or whatever, I think was even decided that the movie would be screened at <clears throat> her theater. So he really has no reason to suspect her, except that Landa by nature is yeah. always <laughs> suspicious. He's suspicious exactly. of everybody. Exactly. He loves to make everybody uncomfortable. And I think it's like a tactic to see, let me make them anxious let me make them nervous and through that maybe they'll reveal themselves right correct yeah yeah i think that was it i think the milk thing was a coincidence and like you said the whole thing with the crim i think again like that's just how he operates he likes to see yeah. if people give themselves up like in in these subtle ways and so i don't necessarily think he because again, this is four years after the incident. He never has really seen Shoshana's face. He's only seen the back of her Correct. head. Correct. So to, that would be an extreme leap to say he he just suspects her just because what he, he just happened upon this particular moment and place. There's no reason for him to immediately go back to it because he's probably seen a lot in those four years that yeah, he's not necessarily going to remember that one specific thing. So yeah. No, the that other, was... so, yeah. So the uh, my my favorite part is after he leaves is Melanie's reaction. She's the way she uh, the anxiety Act, comes yeah. out. That it's, it's give just it to hard her. leave. That's just the hard best. leave. <laughs> that was best like a, the best of Melanie Laura in in the movie. Absolutely. Like I think that was the best moment for her moment. as an actor and a character. It, yeah. Yeah. It was just focused on her face. It was like a five, ten second scene, but she was like gasping for breath, really gasping. And you could feel her yeah. fear and anxiety, which I think uh, was delivered brilliantly. So that's yeah, really because the, the whole scene, scene. The whole scene again. So tension in the air. There's so much tension, but before that, it's 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 kind of different, right? Because she's been invited yeah. to this place, actually more like dragged to that place. They're talking about like other things. Um and then Again, it's a Tarantino special where it's so abrupt. Landa yeah. appears out of nowhere. Like, nowhere. <laughs> like no relation to this scene, nothing, no context. <laughs> he's there. And even when he says, I'm going to talk with her, you can see how much he's feared. Yeah. When even Zolder's like, you're, you know, we know your reputation. Like, what do you, yeah. what do you need with her kind of thing? And then that whole... You know, Landa's just so good at making others uncomfortable. So he sits and he orders stuff and he's talking to her in a very pleasant manner and all of that. And then it ends with like when he like he says, there was something else I wanted to ask. And his face is so serious, right? Yeah. And that's the point where you think like, okay, maybe now he's figured something out Those, or he yeah, yeah. suspicious. He's suspecting something, yeah. And then he's more like, oh, I can't remember it. And he smiles and he walks yeah. away. And then she, you yeah. know, she exhales in that relief, that pent up tension and relief. And that wraps up the scene. And I was just thinking, the scene started somewhere else and we ended <laughs> yeah. somewhere else. Like that's how 
good the writing, acting, staging, everything has been. And Correct. so, yeah, that was like a high, another high point uh, in this film. Yeah. What was yours? So my favorite scene is really, again, it's so hard to choose. Um, but I will, you know, like we talked about Landa meeting Shoshana, the, the abruptness um, of their meeting and all of that. Um, there is also, uh, before I want to talk about my top two favorite scenes, which I think is universal for everybody who's watched this film and has liked it. Yes. Um, the murder of Juan Hammersmark, like I referred to that earlier, right? Like the way he just, Landa leaps on yeah. um, Hammersmark and chokes her. And uh, <laughs> it's very effective because Diane Kruger looks like she's going to die. Uh, <laughs> and you you feel that visceral fear that and yeah. panic that she's probably feeling in that moment because... As a viewer, you know, most of what we've seen Landa do is essentially intimidate people with his words, with his speaking. Correct. Or he orders other people to do the dirty work. But this is him getting dirty, like him getting his yeah. hands on uh, and essentially physically murdering another person. And you can see how deranged and crazy he is. He is. And again, I think I keep coming back to the abruptness. And I think that's where this character is so powerful because he you never know what's going to happen next with him. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. you think a scene is going to go a certain way and then Landa is just like, I'm going to switch it up and then immediately <laughs> do something else. He's like... And so that was, that, that, that was like a, a favorite scene of mine. Um, yeah, he's like the guy in the white jacket and then you see like Brad Pitt is like attacked by all the guards his bomb is removed put on a yeah. black hood a covered face and taken to god knows where I'm like dude like you've had it like you guys just gave yeah. away yourselves you all are so bad it's so hard though to choose my favorite scene because I want to ask you the same question which uh, of this is the favorite scene because I feel like for most people whether online or people that I know who have seen this movie they always pick one or the other as far as their favorite scene because obviously the yeah. the scene that most people associate with the film is really the opening scene right opening scene yeah it's yep. uh the dairy farmer and Landa because that's the introduction to Landa's character that's the introduction to the film and kind of sets the tone for what it is um but the, then the other one is the tavern scene. And I know we've talked a little, a lot actually yeah. about the opening scene. <laughs> so I'm actually going to go with the tavern scene as my top scene, just because <laughs> the opening scene is all right. It's fine. It, it's great, yeah. actually. Uh, it's more than fine. And it really shows how menacing and dangerous um, Landa is. But the tavern scene is what comes to my mind when I think of the film just because of, I don't know how long that whole sequence was, but you talk about setting the scene, yeah. introducing all the different characters. That's a lot of them are seem like unrelated to everything else going on in this film. And then there are main characters within this cast of characters. Um, there's a slow unveiling of tension because there's like this top secret meeting going on. And then you introduce 
this character or reintroduce because he's already introduced earlier, but you you introduce this character into the mix that is Hellstrom's character. Yeah. And now things are ratcheted up. And similar to what Landa does in the scene with the the dairy farmer, he's there for a while. The others are putting up Pleasant. with him. And it yeah. looks like he's about to leave. And then there's this fatal mistake by Fassbender's um, um, character. And that's, you know, and then what happens after that, you know, the shootout. And then even the scene with, uh, what is that? Uh, Willem? Willem is the Willem, soldier, right? Willem and Aldo are negotiating, yes. Because, Willem and Aldo uh, negotiating. Because and then the actress course, has survived the shootout. Ending with one hammer's mark shooting a Wilhelm and I'm that whole stretch that takes quite a bit of time and like I said Tarantino loves to stretch stretch it out you know he gives a lot of screen time to these secondary characters who are playing like this card game hardly two um, minutes of presence I guess they had in that scene yeah and then there's this conversation uh you know extended conversation on other topics and I was just thinking again most directors would not extend it for lo so long because they no. feel like people would lose patience. And the way that Tarantino just lets it breathe and ratchets up the tension with ending with the shootout, I was like, this is cinema. <laughs> <laughs> it, <laughs> it, is, is, it is. This is so satisfying. And yeah, this actually... all around great scene. And I could go on and on. But yeah, that's this is my favorite yeah. scene from the film. I actually felt uh, Fassbender gave himself away twice. Um, when the okay. uh, SS guy, Hellstorm, sits with them and they play that card game, right? The, guess the whatever, 20 questions, whatever. And uh, then he says that, uh, okay, let's have a second round. And then Fassbender's like, uh, who's going next? And Fassbender says, look, we are old friends and we are meeting after a long time. You should excuse us uh, because we want to, catch up and that's kind of you don't do that to an Nazi officer I guess uh, because that's like why wouldn't you let him sit with you and that's why the actress says to calm that tension yeah. that no no you can continue and sit it's it's nothing like this so I thought that was the first doubt uh, Hellstorm's already suspected them in my opinion uh, but this was the first giveaway that okay something is off and then obviously the obvious sign was that the three sign right Trigla Triglasser. Uh, the way with, with you the do the finger for yeah. three. Three um, with I the think Germans is different. The normal one, which the Brits would also do, is what hold it's, the three fingers together. Correct. Whereas the Germans would have one finger kind of, I don't even know how they uh, do no, it. No, with the thumb. The thumb and the first. The thumb, yeah, right, 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 right. So, the thumb and the first two fingers. Again, so that amazing. Was, that's a dead giveaway. Amazing, right? Amazing writing, amazing directing. And amazing acting again, so good because pause. everybody pauses. <laughs> you instantly see the all of them realizing the mistake. Yeah. You see it visibly in Helltrump's face. He he's visibly like taken aback because yeah, he sees it and he immediately registers. Okay, this guy's not German at all. Yeah, and even all, like yeah. you you only get a side profile of Michael Fassbender in this scene. But and you can see yeah, that expression is like, oh, shit. Damn, I may have, I I've, I've, I've done it. I've done and it. And I hope he didn't <laughs> are, notice it. <laughs> but of course, he has. Yeah. And so, no, that that was just great all round. And again, like, 
you know, I've, I mentioned this before. I'm, I'm a big fan of scenes, just like isolated scenes within a film, which you can rewatch just the clip yeah. itself without just having to rewatch the entire film. Like, I would like to go on into YouTube, like type Inglorious Bastards Tavern scene and just like watch that entire scene again, because that just encapsulates how, you know, if the director has done a good job, everything is tight, like everything is so focused and you can enjoy that without having to get like the context of everything else. In the yeah. And so, no, that, that, that entire tavern scene was a great exhibition of how to make something, something so mundane and so normal, just ratchet it up in tension and get it to tension, that point yeah. in like a bloody yeah. conclusion. And to me, that's the great sign, right? Where you are feeling the tension in your body and your nerves and you're like on the edge of your seat you're like oh my god what's gonna happen oh my god what's he's held a gun to him especially, he's held a gun to him that guy's held a gun to him what's gonna happen <laughs> especially when you're re-watching it imagine especially. if you're watching for the first time and you, you get that feeling sure well when sure. you rewatch it knowing yeah. that you know what's gonna happen you know exactly and still exactly. <laughs> that's just wow that's just great too much and yeah. like I said, when it had come, I mean, when I watched it first and then I watched it two, three times, obviously, because I loved it so much. And then now I rewatched it. I'm like, this is like the fourth or fifth rewatch of mine, of this movie. And I still yeah. feel the tension in my body when I'm watching these scenes. And I'm like, oh, that's why they are my favorite. <laughs> now, I have a kind of, ca not caveat necessarily, and it's it doesn't really fall under the category of outtakes as well, because it's kind of very relevant to the plot. Um, and it's actually a link between the two scenes that we've talked about, the tavern scene, but also the murder of Von Hammersmark. Um, how Landa finds that she is, you know, involved in this somehow. She leaves not one, but two pieces of evidence behind, right? Like the heels um, and the, what is that? The, the tissue. Not, uh, the tissue, right? The tissue paper name. where she signed it. Technically, she doesn't leave it, Benny. It's with the Willem guy, right? The, it's on his body. Yes, but my 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 thing is Aldo Rain being a professional um, soldier. They didn't think. And you're doing these covert operations. You have yeah. to be like, all right, we need to get her out of here. And we need to make sure there's been no trace or evidence because every other witness is dead. Um, right. And so we need to make sure that, you know... We make sure that she's not, uh, she, nobody's ever able to find out that she was here. Yeah. Now I can find, I can make some sort of rationale. Okay. Maybe they were in a rush. Maybe the German yeah. soldiers were on their way. Time, and yeah. so they were panicking and they're like, all right, let's just get her and go. Um, but that seemed like a very basic mistake. Rookie mistake. With rookie, rookie mistake, mistake when there are soldiers or spies involved. Like this is like, seems like one of the basic things that you would do. Um, or they probably just thought, okay, all the witnesses are dead. No way that, you know, but they severely underestimated Landa. And anyway, I, I was just thinking, man, that's such a, anyway, that had to happen yeah. for the movie to, you to know. move on. Yeah. And so, yeah. But yeah, that was just kind of an annoying thing that I noticed. Yeah. So uh, we're going to, we'll talk about some of the, our favorite quotes from this film, because this is such an eminently quotable film, even for a film that was probably less than 50% in English and yeah. everything else was in different languages. It's still such yeah, a quotable and some film. Of the German, 
some of the german dialogues weren't subtitled i'm like why would you do this uh, why would you assume that we all know german <laughs> please um, provide subtitles <laughs> yeah but before we get to that i i feel like i have to mention like what didn't work for me i kind of referred yeah. to it earlier um there was so much hype over the be- the bearer jew right before his yeah. appearance like alder rain essentially gives this monologue um and even like when he's talking to the soldiers prior to that like he he's talking about the bear jew so when they do the reveal one yeah. they already showed eli roth in an earlier scene like the first scene with brad pitt where he's talking to the recruits and he's talking about the bear jew and all of that they show eli roth the second time when he's talking to the nazis and he's talking about the bear jew and the exploits the way he set up the stage for him and you hear like the bat like hitting the ground or whatever the baseball bat hitting yeah So when Eli Roth came out I was disappointed because I had a different vision of how the bear Jew would I thought he would be like this huge guy huge <laughs> very muscled and like intimidated intimidating and Eli Roth is not really an actor he's a director but he doesn't really have screen presence like he just comes no. in he looks normal and he has he, a more comic face He has so? a yes. And, and the thing is he also like tries his Boston accent which is so weird it doesn't really like sound convincing. And so that whole thing and again that after all of that the bear just really used for one scene where he you know beats beats up the Nazi. And then in the other scenes that he's in he's just like a generic another like one of Rain Alder Rain's men. So that was like kind of underwhelming after all the hype that um Alder Rain gave to the Bear Jew. Uh the scalping I mentioned, it was just very graphic and I was just like I don't need the close up of that. <laughs> But the biggest thing that didn't work for me and it's kind of important because it wraps up the story for La- uh for Colonel Landa like yeah. the deal that he strikes up with Alder Rain. <laughs> He's essentially saying, "Listen, I'll surrender." you can still go ahead with your plot you can blow up you know the nazi high command um but i want like immunity i want like this place in nantucket i you know i want all the fine things and he's trying to negotiate with aldo now from one angle sure he's seen the writing on the wall he sees the nazis are going to lose he's doing yeah. what he can but on the other hand how after all the cruel and barbaric things you've done and knowing Alder Rain's reputation knowing about the way they've treated german soldiers um what made you think that he was going to you know like not Get do anything um so that was like a tremendous amount of trust he put on the high command's words like he thought okay yeah if the commander is like saying don't harm him Alderain will not harm me. That was like a huge risk to take and I didn't fully buy it. I I felt like there was they didn't want to kill Landa. I think uh it would have been kind of an easier way to write bring an end to that character arc. So I feel like Tarantino wanted something like some sort of retribution, personal retribution for uh Landa's uh, for Landa. So he was like let's keep him alive but let's have him branded As with the nazi. nazi symbol and so yeah i don't know i i didn't tr- that didn't really work for me i just felt like there should have been 
a more dramatic end for him rather than him just surrendering. And he's really putting himself at the mercy of Alder Rain. The... And so I was yeah. like, I don't know. He was too confident that he wouldn't get hurt. Um, and he shouldn't have been shocked. <laughs> he shouldn't have been shocked when Alder Rain <laughs> shot him. Great acting, by the way, because that's yeah, the first yeah. and only time in the movie that you see Landa is Very just like, like afraid and shocked yeah. and all of that. Um, but I was like, that doesn't fit the character though, because he's so in control. He's so confident about everything that this is not the end, you know, for him. Like this is not the way it should have ended. But that's a bit of human element, right? Benny, when you, there's a fine line, they say between confidence and overconfidence. Yeah. So Landa crossed that because everything so far had worked for him. And yeah. he thinks everybody's taking his word for it. He said, why would they harm me? I've given them the best deal. I've made them end the war. They should reward me. So that was just the human mistake, the human you are as a human. And I think he did that. So Amanda was human after all. <laughs> he was human after all. <laughs> all right. Um, I'll take that. Um, all right. Let's go to the quotes. Uh, you could do yours first and then uh, I'll do mine. But... Yeah, we talked about there have been some really memorable quotes from this film. Yeah, two of the best ones were Rain Aldo, right? Aldo Rain. Yeah. Uh, you, <laughs> which is his first introduction. He comes as the lieutenant colonel. Colonel, he's in charge of you know these Jewish Americans who are going to go on a murder killing spree of the Nazis, and he says, "I think uh, he says it to the German uh, once they've ambushed the German." Uh, uh, yeah camp right he says it to the german war general he says you probably heard we ain't in the prisoner taking business we are in the killing nazi not we are in the killing nazi business and the and cousin the business is a booming i can't say it in his accent sorry <laughs> <laughs> and uh the the other line is um where he says i think the last scene where, which is where the movie ends i think this just might be my masterpiece which I thought was yeah. very cheeky of Tarantino to say as a tribute that he thinks this movie is his masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, so those two were my absolute favorites. I've already spoken about Wall saying wait for the creme because I loved his expression. The way, because it added so much tension to the whole scene. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so, so that was that. Um, I always love when uh, characters take a dig at the Brits and the Americans. <laughs> Bridget Vaughn Hammersmith takes a great dig. She's like, can you Americans speak any other language besides English? <laughs> yeah. Which so, leads yeah, perfectly <laughs> into one of my favorite quotes, which is really <laughs> one word. You already referred to it earlier in this episode when Brad Pitt's like, Gurlami, Gurlami. And it's just hilarious because you can see Alanda's enjoying himself and he's like, uh, again, again. And he like tilts his head and Brad Pitt is clearly, sh you know, he's shaken because he, he, he's so thrown off because he was, he thought he was very convincing and he's like now doubting himself and he's like trying, he's like, Gurlami. And it was so good. The whole and, scene, um, the whole scene was. Uh, another one of uh, Alder Reigns was uh, actually part of that whole the, the bear Jew scene. But, you know, yeah, yeah. when a German guy is like, you know, F you, I'm not going to reveal anything to you. Yeah. And, and Brad Pitt really delivers this line. And he's like, we got a German here who wants to die for his country. Oblige him. 
And I was, <laughs> I know he's been overdoing a lot of this accent stuff, but no, that was, that suited perfectly. Um, yeah, it did, so it did, it did. And then, uh, but I'll end with three quotes from uh, Colonel Landa, uh, Walt's character. Uh, so one, yeah. which is so true, he says, um, I love rumors. Facts can be so misleading where rumors, true or false, are often revealing. Revealing. Like, so true, that's right? That's so good. That's so good. That's, that's so good. That's so good. <laughs> Great writing. And again, <laughs> and how he delivers it. It's like so good, yes. his expressions. <laughs> that whole scene. Because he smiles. He's, he's like, them. he's so giggly. He's like, I love rumors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, again, in a similar way, when he essentially has Alder Rain and he's like, he's, he's got him, right? He's like, Ooh, that's a bingo. <laughs> <laughs> and then and, they correct uh, him. They say, oh, no, you just say bingo. You don't have to say, yeah, Ooh, that's yeah. a bingo. It's just bingo. <laughs> um, and then lastly was, you know, when um, Alderaan asked him, like, how do you know our yeah. names or how do you get this information? Yeah. And you can, it's so sincere. Like, it doesn't even feel like an act. You know, he's... Yeah. He's offended. He's hurt. Like Landa's offended yeah. and hurt, and he's like, Lieutenant Aldo. If you don't think I wouldn't interrogate every single one of your swastika marked survivors, we simply aren't operating on the level of mutual respect. I assumed. <laughs> so, so cool. you know, you in a moment you almost feel bad for him. Like, no, 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 I, yeah. I you know it wasn't meant to be. Don't take it that way. And you're like, wait a minute, no, Nazi. <laughs> So that was so good. The, the dialogue, the, the writing is great. The writing is great, but, but the dialogue that, delivery is just elevated. Yeah, it's like um, it's like walls uh, just up up the character. You know, yeah. Like I often say, the writer has a vision, the director has a vision, and then yeah. the actor comes and just elevates it hundred x times. That's what Waltz did to Landa in this movie. Absolutely, that is why it's such a memorable character. <laughs> Well, let's dive into outtakes and we can talk about like the casting stuff and some other things that we noticed from the film. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just have one outtake left now, Benny, because the other two I discussed when we were talking uh, about the scenes about Fassbender being for so, such a short time and Brad Pitt's accent. You know, Daniel Brühl, who plays the <laughs> character of Frederick Zoller. Yeah. Why? Why is he playing only bad German guys in the film's at least that I have watched the entire Marvel series. Okay. Yeah. I recently watched All Quiet on the Western Front, which is, I think, a fantastic war movie. Highly recommend. There also, he's on the bad German side. And then I'm like, realized when I watched Inglorious Bastards, oh my God, he's again playing the bad German. Like, he is so typecast in these roles. Remind me if he's played any other <laughs> roles, please. He acted in like a mini series where he was actually the good guy. Um, yeah. Um, but it was set in like early 20th century New York and he played like this doctor. Uh, but he, he didn't have any shades of evil in that. So that's one of those rare okay. <laughs> roles where he was like. But I, I get why, because he, he looks very unassuming. He seems like if you look yeah. at him and you talk to him, he seems like a decent guy. You could trust him. And so when yeah. he is quote unquote evil, it's really it's really jarring. 
Because even in this movie, like, you know, for 95% of the time, he seems like the nicest guy to the point where you're like, Shoshana is just being too rough on him. He's just a guy following orders and just doing his job. But then when she says no and he pushes down, that's when you're like, all right, this guy is... This guy is a he's bad a psychopath. guy. He's a bad guy. He's, he's a just psychopath. Been concealing his true self, you know. So yeah, he's Correct. really good yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? Uh so one thing that I noted um in kind of the middle of the movie, like there was a phase where Samuel L. Jackson was uh doing narration, and he's got such a distinct voice that voice. you cannot mishear you know and i thought that was really a nice touch because samuel l jackson has obviously been like a tarantino faithful he's featured in yeah. so many of tarantino's of films has had so many iconic roles just within tarantino films so i thought it was like a nice touch um to have samuel l jackson in it um but the other outtakes i had was related to casting and i don't know if yeah. you want to talk about that Oh, yeah. So when I was going through the, uh, obviously, we do this, right? Original cast, what was it before? Uh, yeah. First choice. Leonardo DiCaprio was Tarantino's first choice for Landa. I I don't know uh, whether that would have worked, but... Terrible. I'm... I'll tell you. <laughs> Such a baby face. I'm like... Go. No, well, no, here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. Would he pulled off the menace? Uh, I don't no. know. Well, like like I said from uh, Michael Fassbender, right? It would have been a different... Different Landa. Landa. Yeah. But the biggest reason why it wouldn't have worked is he could not have done the same casual switching between languages as effectively as uh, Crystal Waltz did. Because true, if, true, true. if Leo did that, you would know it's acting and yes he's not a he's not a natural like i, I don't know how many languages like leo knows yeah. but christopher waltz actually yeah. knows his languages so it's knows easier for languages. him to do that and he wouldn't have brought the same charm mixed with menace that christopher waltz did in fact the role that he plays in uh tarantino's next film which is my favorite tarantino film django unchained he plays calvin candy and that role or that character that he portrayed would have been his version of Landa if he had played Landa okay. in this. Okay. Okay. Now that worked great in Django Unchained. It would not have worked in worked here. Okay. Uh in, in this film. So I think that was for the best. I don't think um uh, again, I don't think any actor could have done better than Waltz in it. And if Fassbender or DiCaprio had acted in it, they would have had their versions of it. It wouldn't have been as great. It wouldn't have been as iconic. In yeah, fact, I agree. Fassbender, at least, I would have, I would say, would have been really good at it. But I think Leo DiCaprio, it wouldn't. Wouldn't have. have. So wouldn't I'm have. glad that. So there was a, yeah, there was a very um, interesting quote I found on uh, Rotten Tomatoes by one of the critics, uh, which I read, which I really liked because I think it sums up Waltz's performance uh, very well. He said, he says, fortunately, in Waltz, Tarantino has found an actor who carries off the script's multilingual wordiness with panache while investing his character with a combination of suave menace and knowing humor, which is what 
you actually summarized, right? The yeah, key. yeah. I was going to say, he said it a lot better you. than I did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That was but that's perfect. the essence. That's what we all loved about uh, his character. So I thought it was really very well written and summarizes his performance uh, to perfection. Uh, the other ones were Adam Sandler as the bear Jew. You know, I heard about this and I was like intrigued because I think it would have been interesting. Yeah. See, Adam yeah. Sandler can definitely play dramatic roles. Um, I don't know if you have seen Uncut Gems, but... He's, I have seen trailer. I've not gone into the details. Like I've not seen the film. Okay, he he can play intense roles. Now, the character of the bear Jew is again like we talked. He was not fully intense or dramatic in this no. film. There was an element of, you know, like a comic element to his character in this, but they really needed a physical character. So, I feel like Adam Sandler would have been better than Eli Roth. My my personal take on it. Now, there's mm. no way of knowing for sure. Unlike, you know, we can theorize about Fassbender and DiCaprio for the role of Landa, yeah. but for Adam Sandler, we cannot because we have never seen him in a role like that before. So it's really hard. I think it would have been fascinating. It would have been a fascinating take. I think Adam Sandler would have infused a lot more humor into that role. And I think mm-hmm. physically too, he's he would have been more convincing as a bear Jew. Um I think that's a miss. I think, yeah, I would have loved to see Adam Sandler in this role. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I like, you know, I felt like Eli didn't bring any acting skills to the role, yeah. right? I mean, he, he hardly just, had like two or three scenes with it. So, it just seemed yeah. like lack of options, really, <laughs> that True. got him that role. True. Yeah. So, yeah, those were my bits on the original cast. Did you have any? Did you find anything? No, I I know that Diane Kruger wasn't first choice for um, yeah. the role that she played. In fact, it was another actress. I can't remember the name, but I think she was an older actress. So again, that would have been a slightly different take in that case mm. for the character. Uh, but like I said, really every character, even Brad Pitt, I think were perfect in their roles. And I think ultimately... We got they the best. It. Well, actually, let me take that back. I don't, maybe not Eli Roth, uh, but every other character, <laughs> I think. Even Mike Myers was there for the small scene. I and, know, for such a small scene, yeah. And he was pretty like, decent. Yeah. Like, he had that yeah. trademark Mike Myers, uh, you know, physical <laughs> uh, performance, and he was he was good. Um, yeah. And I feel like we're not giving enough credit to some of the German actors, like, like the guy who played Hitler, Goebbels, uh, Hellstrom. Um, Even Hugo, Hugo, the guy who murders the 13th. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was very good. Till Schweiger. Till Schweiger. Yeah, Stiglitz, right? I think is yeah. the character's name. Yeah. Stiglitz. All of these guys yeah, yeah. were so good in their so good. small so good. roles. It's just easy to look past them because Christoph Waltz just outshone everybody. So He just outshines no, everybody. Some really exactly. good acting in this film. Yeah. Um, you know what I discovered when I was going through the trivia, and there's a lot of trivia, so I'll we'll share the link with the listeners and people can walk yeah. through, go through the trivia themselves. But oh my god, Tarantino's method acting is a bit r- ridiculous. Like I don't think I want to be in the movies after reading about this. <laughs> he actually strangled Kruger to get more realism, and she passed out on the set. Who does this? This is this is just not on. I oh, think. that was Tarantino, like, not Christoph Waltz. 
Tarantino strangled for realism to get more expressions out of her. Like, what are you doing? Okay, this was shocking. Uh, Sora Dawn uh, Hope, hopefully would be cancelled. He told her before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, okay. can you imagine like the genuine panic? Can you imagine this? And the theater fire scene. Apparently, the fire was real and it got out of hands, and the yeah. platform that the two actors were standing on fell. And one of the actors was injured and passed out. Like, what are you doing? Uh, okay, whatever happened to health and fire safety? You know what? Also, I can like, already imagine. I can already imagine Tarantino saying, "Well, nobody died." Yeah, <laughs> you know? like, dude, this is just not so, so. I I get method acting, and I know because Melanie uh, Laura she also went and did a two weeks projectionist course, film projectionist course. Uh, she went and hmm. did that to study okay. for her role. Okay, because there is a scene, right, which shows how she's switching the reels, etc. I appreciate it. actors doing their homework. <laughs> exactly, but this is taking it a bit too far, in my opinion. Yeah. What Tarantino was doing, so no, I was that's... most uh, surprised. So yeah, so this this bit of trivia was like shocking. Uh, I couldn't digest it. So yeah, well, that, that is made a but iconic think... <laughs> film out of it. So I guess he it's did. All worth it, yeah. I guess. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, like you would say, like you said, no one died, and I'm like, okay, but someone yeah. could have. <laughs> so anyway, well, yeah. let's so. give our verdict. Um, yeah, I can go first. So this movie, while it not being my all-time favorite Tarantino film, I think we shouldn't lose sight of the fact. Um, and this is despite all the criticism, some of them justified, some of them that I don't even think I am qualified to talk about just because of, yep. you know, the genuine pain and hurt that people have endured over the decades because of, you know, the Nazis and how that has affected generations. Um, despite that, if you look at it purely from the movie perspective as a viewer going to watch a film and what you got out of it it was entertaining it was cathartic uh, i say cathartic yeah. because it's so nice to f- see the the nazis getting some sort of retribution for all the horrors they inflicted um yeah. it was funny it mm-hmm. was intense uh, the stakes were high the acting and the writing was top-notch i mean what more do you want as a viewer you know as a film, we yeah, have exactly. to put up with so much crap uh to yes. you know we have to wade through so much crap to once upon Find you know out. once in a while stumble onto like good movies right. with like a complete package that we shouldn't dismiss these kind of movies so lightly so it was a great movie i would say eight and a half out of ten um just because you know some of the plot lines i guess you know they didn't. I was. I and I, I was not necessarily a fan of like how certain character arcs were written, and of course, like we talked about, like the violence a little bit, you know, yeah. the scalping and all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it's still just one of those iconic films that's almost like a milestone in, you know, in cinema because Tarantino showed that you could take such a serious and heavy topic, so take this iconic event that is you know people study will study uh, continue to study in like history textbooks he took that and essentially gave us a version of it could have happened like this and it's it's more satisfying and ended up making uh 
an entertaining film that you can still rewatch multiple times. So uh, eight and a half out of 10, um, great movie. And I think uh, a milestone in cinema. Yeah. Um, so not much to add more than what you've said. Uh, I also go by rewatch value because a film that you loved, uh, say 10, 15 years ago, it changes, yeah. right? We've talked about this so often. Does it age well? Do you still enjoy it as much? And I realized like I loved it even when I rewatched it, um, though like a couple of scenes that you said were hard to fathom or maybe didn't feel, you know, the, the violence was a bit too much to take in some of the scenes. Still overall, I loved it. I thought the acting was fantastic. The writing kept me engaged. Um, will I rewatch it? Of course, yes. Would I recommend it? Totally, yes. <laughs> so on that basis, and obviously, uh, like I said, Waltz's villain is one of the my favorite villains in um cinematic whatever cinema i have watched uh, also very iconic so on that basis yeah. i would give it a nine nine on ten yeah and i think uh the best way to really summarize or just say it in one line is really use tarantino's writing and actually aldo's own uh dialogue his last line in the film i think this just might be tarantino's masterpiece, this masterpiece. So. agreed <laughs> Tarantino couldn't have said it better, I guess. Um, I agree. So yeah. He's a good judge of his own work, is what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the German will fear us. Nazi ain't got no humanity. They need to be destroyed. Each and every man under my command owes me 100 Nazi scalps. And I want my scalps. Sound good? Yes, sir! So on that note, uh, thank you, listeners. Uh, please be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at underscore talking talkies. Subscribe to the podcast for the latest episodes. And if you're enjoying this, please do let your friends know. Uh, this has been your host, Benny. I'm Nina. And we'll see you at the next movie.